what is your motivation? I assume, I'm just going to assume, because you're here, you have some sort of faith in God. Or at least you feel some sort of obligation to be here. Why are you here? Or if you go about your life living out a Christian life, living out, trying to be faithful, why do you do that? What motivates you in your faith? If you want to turn to 1 Thessalonians 1, that's where we're going to be for the majority of this lesson. I talked about, I don't know, it's got to be a month ago now, about, uh, I was going to start a series through 1 Thessalonians. And it really goes with our idea of the theme we're trying to hit of growing together. 1 Thessalonians is a book where Paul is writing to a group he is very familiar with. He helped start that church. He has worked with them. He loves them. And they're doing a lot of things right. In a lot of ways, the Thessalonians are really close to an ideal church. And Paul says, good job, but we've got some more work to do. And as we look through 1 Thessalonians 1 today, that's exactly what we're going to see. We're going to open up with a prayer where Paul is going to thank God for the Thessalonians and what they're getting right. And then he's going to build on that by showing how they're getting it right. And so as we really start this series and start through this book, we're going to look at what motivated the Thessalonians. What were they based on as a group? And what did they do with that? Because I think there's a lot of things that we can emulate in that as we grow together. If you want to start with me in 1 Thessalonians 1, we're just going to read the first 10 verses. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor, of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. And you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. 
For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything at all. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. So here we see Paul again thank God for the Thessalonians, thank them for their faith, for the earth, or thank God for their faith, thank God for their love, and then encourage them to continue on in this faith, love, and hope. And that's really what we want to center in today. I put on the screen virtue-driven work. I always, this is kind of like a peek behind the curtain, I always run through like 40 different titles for every sermon I go through, and none of them are good. And that's about how I feel about this one when I look up, is, yes, we're going to talk about a virtue-driven work, but we're going to talk about a lot more than that. This is not just aimless work. This is the foundation of everything we are as Christians. This is the foundation of the whole church worldwide. Are these three virtues that we're going to talk about today. So I, I want to read this prayer of Paul again. If you're with me in 1 Thessalonians, I'm just going to read verses 2 through 5 again. And we're going to just really camp there for a bit. Starting in verse 2, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in the Word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. And you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. The books of First and Second Thessalonians are books based very much in prayer. A lot of Paul's letters are. But in First and Second Thessalonians, we're going to see Paul use prayers really as section markers to convey and emphasize the themes of the overall book. First Thessalonians, I think off the top of my head, has three or four prayers in it, depending on how you count them. And in a book that's only five chapters, you can see how important that is for the message that Paul is trying to convey. And this prayer is no different. This prayer is a prayer of thanksgiving. Prayer to God, of course, but it's really about the gospel. And it's about the work the gospel has had on the Thessalonians. Paul, Silas, and Timothy are giving recognition to the Thessalonians, praising God for the work that he has done through them. Saying that he always, constantly remembers them before God and thanks God for their example and their relationship with him. But take a look at what's being celebrated here. 
these aren't arbitrary things. Paul says, I am thanking God constantly for your work. Your work, your labor, your steadfastness. Those are active words. The Thessalonians are not a family of God that are passive in their faith. They're not just punching the clock on Sunday mornings. They're getting to work. They are an active community of believers, dedicated to both serving God and serving others. They're doing the hard things together as a church. They're being steadfast. That word steadfast, to hold firm to something. And Paul's going to talk about some, and we'll talk about some later, but especially as we get through the book, it is not a small thing that the Thessalonians are being steadfast. For the most part right now, it's pretty easy to be a Christian in America. I don't know about you guys. I've never been beat up for saying that I believe in God. I have never, I've never even had like my head shoved in the toilet and swirling for anything like that. Like that's just not a thing we face very often. The Thessalonians are facing persecution. They are facing opposition to the word of God and opposition to them as people just for believing in Jesus. They're going to they're gonna get beat up. They're going to lose jobs. They're going to lose friends. And Paul says they're willing to do that. They're willing to do that for Jesus. But this work isn't aimless. This work isn't based on them themselves. Look at what Paul emphasizes. Is it a work of faith, a labor of love, steadfastness in hope? Faith, love, and hope. As we go through those, these two books over the next year or however long it takes me to get through them, get used to hearing these three words. Faith, and love and hope are everywhere through the book of 1 Thessalonians. Sometimes you'll hear these words, uh, faith, love, and hope, called the three Christian virtues. That's not a term I use very often, just because maybe we don't use the word virtues super often in conversation. But that idea comes from 1 Corinthians 13, 13, where Paul says, these are the three things that endure. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these three is love. Paul says, here is what is at the very core of what it means to be a Christian. Here's the foundation that everything is built off of in our lives. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of those three being love. And so since that is at the very core of who we are as Christians, and that is at the very core of who we are as a church collectively, 
It makes sense that as we go through 1 Thessalonians, it's going to be very core to the message that Paul gives to the church there. We're going to see Paul expand on these three ideas basically throughout the whole book. But I'll give just sort of a brief summary of what we're talking about when we talk about these words. When we talk about faith, Faith is a knowledge of who God is. Faith and belief, you see those intertwined a lot, and for good reason. Faith is a knowledge of who God is, but not just a knowledge of who God is. Paul's going to use faith to also talk about what you do with that knowledge. Faith is not just knowing who God is, it is having a relationship with God and following Him. That's what Paul is going to talk about when he talks about faith. Knowing God and following Him. And then love is very similar to that. It's that idea that we talked about sometime recently. We talked about the greatest commands to love God and to love others, to dedicate your life in humble service outward. To care about others more than you care about yourself. And then hope. Hope is a strong, confident belief that God is going to save his people in the judgment day. I'm not the first preacher to say this, and I won't be the last preacher to say this, but we, in our sort of modern way of speaking, we've watered down the concept of hope. A lot of times I use hope to mean, like, I really wish something would happen. That's not what Paul's talking about. Hope, he's saying, you know, because God is who he is, And he has promised what he has promised, that all those who are, quote-unquote, on God's team are going to be delivered and saved in the end. It's confidence. It's not just I wish. It is a confident belief in the promises of God. And those three things are what Paul is going to weave together through the entire book and through the passage that we're going to read today. So here's what we see. Paul is thanking God that the Thessalonians are serving him and serving others, all while resisting the opposition to the gospel because the hope that they have in the future judgment. If you're the kind of person that highlights or underlines stuff in your Bible. What's wrong with you? Um, If you're the kind of person that highlights or underlines stuff in your Bible, I'm not. But if you are, highlight this section. This is the thesis statement of the whole book. Everything Paul talks about for the next Four chapters are all coming back to a work of faith, a labor of love, and a steadfastness of hope. That's what he wants to convey. 
And we're going to look at how we build on that in a practical level, on a daily basis. Because those are abstract concepts, right? I can tell you, have faith, have love, have hope. And you can say, okay, how? That doesn't mean anything to me. And so Paul's going to give us some very tangible things to say, here's what faith looks like. Here's what love looks like. Here's what hope looks like. And the first example of that are these next few verses. If you're back in 1 Thessalonians, we're going to pick up in verse 6. Here's our first example of what faith and love and hope really look like. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction, but with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So Paul starts this book with the Thessalonians' own example of faith and hope and love. As we go through the book, he's going to say, here's some things you could be doing better. Here's some ways you can sort of tweak and improve in your faith, love, and hope. But as he starts the book, he says, you guys are already starting on the right path. You guys have a lot of things going for you already. And notice the chain here. Paul says... You became imitators of us and of the Lord. So, Jesus himself, the Lord God, he was faithful and holy and loving. And Jesus passed that down through his teaching and through his example to apostles like Paul. And they latched onto it. And they began to live faithful, holy, loving lives in hope. And then through apostles like Paul, that's gotten passed down to a church like the Thessalonians. So all of these concepts, they start all the way at the top. They start with God and they sort of trickle down to us. This chain of faith and love goes all the way from God to the local church, like Thessalonica and like Fairview. And the Thessalonians, they have accepted this example joyfully. But as we already talked about, that is not an easy thing to do. This is not a passive thing to accept the gospel. Paul says they received it with much affliction. And that comes back to Acts 17 that we read all the way at the beginning of the service that Brother Don read for us. The story of the gospel coming to Thessalonica for the first time. Of Paul and Silas starting the Thessalonian church. And it didn't really go well at first. I'm going to just read the end of that story again. Acts 17, I'm going to start in verse 9. 
But the Jews, or Jewish leaders, depending on your translation, they were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, and they set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men have turned the world upside down, have come here also, and Jason has received them. And they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. So here at the very beginning of the church in Thessalonica, there's already problems. There's already opposition. And it's not small opposition either. These are people claiming that Christians are traitors, they are lawless anarchists, they hate the Roman government, they hate Caesar, they are trying to challenge everything we know and care about. A mob of Jews and Gentiles alike trying to destroy the church before it even takes hold. And Jason essentially having to pay off the leaders of the city to say, we're not going to cause any problems. That's the beginning of the church in Thessalonica. Paul's not arbitrarily saying that they took the gospel through much affliction. From the very beginning, they faced problems. And yet, they received it in joy, despite the threat of the leaders or the city officials, they were excited to imitate Paul and Jesus. They were excited to live the gospel life. And they were excited to get to work. Notice the next thing that they did. So they've received the gospel. They've held on to it through the affliction. But it didn't stop there. They became examples to the people around them. So now the chain adds another link. Just as the example of faith and hope and love goes from God to the apostles to the Thessalonians, they've spread it out to the whole area around them. So people are seeing their faith and they're coming close to God because they see the example of the Thessalonians' faith and love and hope. They are very much an evangelistic group, shouting out the example of God's love. They took the gospel, they received it in joy, they received it in power, and they received it in the Holy Spirit. Despite everything else going on, they stood firm Again, because of the faith they had of who God is. Because of the love they had for those around them. And for the hope they had in the judgment. Paul says that they put away their idols. Everything that was in between them and God, it's gone. And they learned to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven who will deliver us from the wrath to come. They are living faithful lives guided by love and guided by hope. 
That's the opening of the book of 1 Thessalonians. I want to just spend a few minutes talking about what that means to us. And I want to come back to that question that we talked about at the beginning. What is your motivation? What are we rooted on in as Christians and as a church? For far too long in my Christian life, I'll tell you what I was motivated by. Guilt. I was motivated by fear. I was motivated by what if I disappoint the people around me. I was motivated by tradition. This is the way I grew up, so I guess this is just what I'll do. And I'm not going to say there was no faith or love or hope. But I wouldn't say it cracked the top three motivations I had. I was someone who my motivation for living out the gospel, my motivation for going to church, my motivation for calling myself a Christian was because I was afraid of the consequences of what would happen if I didn't. I was afraid of hell. I was afraid of disappointing my friends. I was afraid of disappointing myself. That was basically all that I actually cared about. That is not the deep faith that Paul calls us to. I think far too many of us for far too long in our life have been motivated, sometimes exclusively, by guilt and fear. We're Christians. We come here because we feel like we have to. I really appreciate the song that Stephen led before the sermon. I don't, we didn't talk about this, like, at all. But Stephen just, he knew my brain so well. Yeah. <laughs> and he, the second verse of the song talks about the service that we can do in the kingdom of God. It says, don't wait to be told and don't be driven by sorrow. When I was younger, a lot of my faith was built on what I was told and driven by sorrow. That is not what Jesus calls us to. That's not the example that comes from God to the apostles to us. Paul says, here's the motivation the church has. Do you know God? Do you trust Him? Do you love God? Do you love the people around you? And do you believe that God is going to save those who follow Him? If you answer yes to those questions, that's your motivation. And only that. Nothing more, nothing less. This is the example of Christ. Know God, love God, love others, and trust that He will save you. Hold on to that hope. This is what our motivation is to grow together as a church. We can talk all we want 
about the numbers of who's here on a Sunday morning. We can talk all we want about the collection numbers or whatever else. That is all second place. Everything we do is second place to these three things. And if we're not motivated by wanting to serve God, if we're not motivated by love for others, then we really need to be thinking hard about what we're doing. Because this is the map. Paul's going to talk a lot in 1 Thessalonians about a holy life. And here's what he says. You want to find what a holy life is? Because it's hard. This world is not as black and white as we like it to be. It's hard to find the narrow path. Paul says you're not going to find it in yourself. You're not going to find it in the preacher or in the elders. Here's what you're going to find it in. Does it come from faith, love, and hope? And if it does, it's the path of God. And if it doesn't, it's not. This is what we are built on as Christians. This is what we're built on as a church. And that's it. The last thing I want to mention, just for a few seconds, is if you've got that motivation... Then you get to work. Because the first step is realizing that this is what we need to be motivated for. But once you've got that, let's put it to good use. If you've been around the group long enough and you've had, I really wish somebody would be doing this. Or man, I've seen other good churches that do this. Why don't we do that? Get to work. Get to work. Get involved in the work of the group here. The Thessalonians were a group that everyone was involved in ringing out the message of God. Everyone was involved in shining the light of Jesus. And you don't have this true church motivated based on these things if the only people working are 5% of the group. Our light can shine so much brighter when we're all involved. And it will. We can all work to be this example, shining out the message from this family. And we need to be. The Thessalonians were a group that were well known for their faith. They were well known for their love. And they shined out their hope. And if you don't think that we're a group that does that right now, let's get to work and let's do it. That's all I have for the lesson. I'll offer a few words in the way of invitation. The family of God is a beautiful thing. It has been a blessing in my life, and I'm sure it has been a blessing in many of your lives. But it's only a blessing that we experience, that true relationship with family, that true relationship with God himself, when we base our lives on faith and hope and love. And so the invitation today is let's get ourselves founded where we need to be founded. And if you're not a Christian, 
it's time to ask yourself the questions. Do I believe in God? Do I love God? And do I trust that he will save his people? And if so, you can repent of your sins, you can be baptized, and you can join yourself to a relationship with him. You can join yourself to his family. But for a lot of us here who are Christians, what are you really built on? We can't be built on guilt. We can't be built on obligation. We need to be built on faith, hope, and love. And if you're not right now, we need to fix it. We'd love to talk with you. Uh, We'd love to pray with you and pray for you. However we can help, we want to do it. Feel free to come to the front as we stand and as we sing.